Hi, I'm Aaron and welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, where we explore, well, you guessed it, hip hop. I'll be interviewing the best artists in the game while also taking some time to appreciate some new and classic albums. Make sure you like and subscribe to the show and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for any upcoming news and guests. Also, don't forget to check out my new Patreon under Hip Hop Hustle that will give you exclusive content and help me keep the show running and getting better. All right, let's get into it. Welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. I'm with a fantastic guest today, Six Sick Flow. I almost said uh, Six Flow, but Sick Flow has, <laughs> has come through. Um, and Sick Flow, you've had an amazing career in terms of who you've worked with, obviously, Onyx, Snow Goons. You recently released a track, actually, uh, with uh, someone we've had on the show, uh, OGs, uh, the producer. OGs oh, came through. Um, okay. And, and obviously, you're you're also the father of uh, Six Lack uh, as well. Black, I thought black. It's black. I, I never know how to say it. I always go for that it. Six mess, that Six mess you up, huh? <laughs> Literally every single time. Um, and then I-47 as well. But, I mean, you know, for you being a father and then seeing, you know, your kids go into music, how does that feel and how was that experience? Oh, man, it's, it's phenomenal, man. It's like a... It's, it's like a dream come true. Like, you know, it feels like, you know, how kings have princes and then the princes turn into the king. You know what I mean? It's just this whole thing, like something that I I, I really didn't plan for, but it, it was inevitable. It was going to be in them. You know what I mean? They grew up going on the road with me. Every show I had, I, I was pulling them along. You know what I mean? So music has just always been everything. So I would have been surprised if they didn't pick it up. Well, I've always wondered, because like being a parent is hard enough, but being an artist as well as a parent and having shows and, you know, taking them on the road and then also trying to educate them about like, you know, what you see on tour isn't really real life because you've got fans and stuff like that. So how was that whole experience and, you know, the whole piece for you was like, you know, you got to really, you're really tested between being a father and being an artist. I can tell you that the, um, so the beginning stages were very, you know, small, intimate shows. I don't think I really took them to any of the over 5,000, 10,000 type, you know, um, but the hard part was being on the stage and them being side of the stage or right in front of the stage of me thinking, which one of these kids are going to have to go to the bathroom? <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, I was always concerned about I may have to jump into daddy mode before this song is finished, you know. Um, fortunately, Black was like that responsible kid you know, six, seven, eight, nine years old. He was the one, if they needed anything, he grabbed them up and took care of it. But, you know, I didn't have any problems. But one time my daughter, I think she was about four years old. She just decided to run away from him and jump on stage. And she just danced like this the whole time. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, other than that, I, I really never had any issues or problems with them, you know, being with me on the road. It was always great to look out at them because I'm like, well, these are my inspirations right here. So 
I'm going hard for y'all. So I'm looking at them kind of like blocking out the crowd in a sense and putting on a show for them, you know? So it was pretty interesting. Well, how often would you tour with them? Like, and how often were you touring at the time? You know, when they were young, would you go for long blocks? How long would they be there? How did that work? It was weekend things. Um, so it was fairly easy, you know? Um, and then sometimes I would take them individually. Like, you know, if I went somewhere like Mississippi, I'd just take my daughter with me. If I went, you know, somewhere else, I might take one of the boys. And sometimes most all of the Atlanta shows, they were with me, you know, um, doing them, them stages of them being young. And then I think by the time they got into the uh, junior high years, that's when they all started to do their own thing. And then I find out later and when they're in high school, like, oh, y'all rap too? Really? <laughs> you know what I mean? So we never really talked about it, you know, um, because I think during that season when they were in high school was when their mom and I split. So there was a gap there. So in between that gap, it's like I come over on the weekends and then I find it out. Oh, wow. I didn't know. You know what I mean? And then I'm searching out and I'm like, well, oh, I, I, I checked out the new YouTube, you know, and, my, and Black used to turn me on to people. He's like, Dad, you got to check out Cassidy. I'm like Cassidy word. Okay. I check out Cassidy and then I'm listening to Cass. I'm like, man, so you a bit more hip than I am, <laughs> you know? So I'm starting to learn, you know, from, from them. So man, it, it, it's a great experience. Um, It's like you got the torch and you pass the torch. Although I'm most likely not going to stop until I just don't have anything else to say. Well, do you think that you will ever have nothing to say? Uh, I mean, I may get to a space where I'm like, all right, I'm just ready to chill now. But uh, when you just get inspired by a lot of things, that's a that's a hard thing to actually think it, it would happen. You know what I mean? Because um, there's so many things left to be said that aren't being said in hip hop. And I feel like we hear the same messages over and over. And I've, I've always been that guy that wanted to challenge that like well man nobody's talking about this right now let me say something about that or this is a hot topic right now but let me offer another perspective you know so i th i think like that now because the majority of the music that i hear is pretty much the same yeah i think i mean at the moment it's so saturated in terms of the market there are so many artists out there and you know from i'm sure you can see that from when you started to where it is right now the Ooh. pathway to being an artist is much easier just to get your music out there. It's not as, I don't think it's as easy to become really big because you've got right. a lot of people you're competing for and you do have to stay and keep people's attention for a long period of time. But obviously, you know, Black's done that really well in terms of, mm -hmm. you know, the you can see the the career there. But I mean, how do you feel about, you know, young artists now versus when you were a young artist and seeing the difference in the come up? Uh, it's really dependent on which young artists. Some of them don't really take it as serious. And then you have the others like Black and there's, there's some more that I see that I'm like, man, this is a whole nother level, you know. Um, and it's great to see them because then you see the others that may not have a lot of great substance but they have a great push because that finance is behind them. So their music could be, or their content could be garbage. Their tracks can be 
high level, you know, but when that music, I mean, when that money is behind it, it's not too much you can do besides take it. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You're going to hear it. You're going to hear it. If, if, if that marketing is behind them, you're going to hear it. So I commend the ones that are doing it, being different, you know, adding something different to the game and not trying to mimic another artist, you know, because when we were coming up, it was like, man, if you were a biter, you were a biter. And I feel like labels today, the ones that are still standing, they'll hear a hot artist and they'll be like, well, let's make another one of those right now because that's the hot sound. So the ones that are different, I, I you know, hats off to them. So do you think it's hard for an artist right now to like remain their own identity because of that? Like, you know, people here and you're like, oh, you could be the next Drake-esque or you could be the next, you know, Nicki Minaj-esque. And they kind of put you in this box of like, all right, here's how we're going to market you. Here's the music and here's the beats that you're going to, you know, flow over and you're going to do specifically this. Do you feel like that's really hard for an artist now to be like, all right, but I've, I'm still a different person? I feel like the best thing for an artist to do is to be that person that they are. You know what I mean? Like, you can get pushed into a box and that's going to fade, you know, but if you decide, Hey, I got to be myself. I have to, I have to push who I am. And even if it may take a little longer, it's worth it. It's worth it. Then to just have that quick little, you know, you're there for a moment and then you're gone because you decided to sound like somebody else. And it's hard. It's hard to come back from that. Yeah, I agree. Well, have you had these, do you, so something you said was like, you didn't really talk about music with your kids, but have you had, you know, now that, you know, they're, they've got their careers, you've got your career. Do you have these discussions of like, you know, the challenges that they're coming up against kind of your experience? Do you ever have those kind of talks? Sometimes um, we're mainly because everybody's all over the place um, and black lives in LA. So when he's back and forth, it's really like happy family time. It's like, man, we, we're happy to see each other. And we may have some short conversations about music, but typically they're short. We might talk about whatever is happening right now. We may, for instance, man, J. Cole's album is crazy. You know what I mean? And J. Cole and Black are pretty cool. Um, and J. Cole is one of I-47's favorite artists. You know what I mean? So we'll get into a conversation about Cole. Um, and then after that, we're back to like, Let's just continue to enjoy each other's company. Yeah. I think that's probably a good mode to have because like, I don't have kids myself, but I know when my parents try to give me advice, they're my mm -hmm. parents. And so I don't see them as like, you know, having this like whole experience, this whole life behind them. I'm like, stop mom, stop dad. <laughs> like I've, I, right, right. you know what I mean? Like you look for, for other people, despite the fact that they've got a wealth of knowledge. So I feel like that's also kind of a challenge that you have to bridge that it's like, they don't see you as an artist first. They see you as dad first. That's, that's how it always has been. Um, it's different with I-47 for, for me because he really, so black has his, his own team and his team is, they're remarkable, you know what I mean? Although he's his own, you know, force by himself, his team pretty much, they come together and they compromise on what moves they're gonna make. It's never one-sided. It's never the label saying, this is what we're gonna do. You know, it's, it's typically black is like, this is my idea. This is how I want this to roll out. And they come to agreements. Um, 47, he's more like, 
this is what I want to do. I'm going to ask you for your advice. However, if it's not what I want to hear, I'm still going to do my own thing, but I want to know how you feel because I respect what you have to say. So it's, it's, it's been that way. I mean, I've, I've been thoroughly impressed by him being his own man, his own artist, you know what I mean? And making his own decisions. Like when he finished the um, My Name is I-47 project, I was like, man, you did that. To never have, for it to be his first project, to, to really never have the sit downs and he just became his own A&R, you know what I mean? Put put the tracks together, the selections, the the producers. And, and I'm sitting there like, man, this is in you. Nobody had to school you on this. This is already in you. And I, I feel like that comes from just being a part of who I am. I grew up with my brothers teaching me how to DJ first. So being a DJ opened me up to a lot of things from melodies to structure to this to that. It was pretty much like I gained managerial skills by being a DJ before becoming a rapper. Do you think that most people would you know, really benefit from understanding the production of a song. Cause sometimes I listen to rappers and I'm like, I feel like this track isn't put together. Like I had this discussion with someone the other day and I'm like, there are artists that I listen to and I'm like, they know how to put together a track. They know how to put together mm-hmm. a solid song with the hook, with, you know, mm-hmm. the melody, they know how to start finish where the bars go, where the flow is like 50 cent to me is one of those people. I think, He's fantastic at putting putting together a song, but then I hear right. other artists, and I'm like, "You're good. You're a good rapper, but the song right. doesn't work because there's not no structure here." So, like, right. do you feel that as well? I feel that there are artists that are just artists. You know what I mean? They they're skilled in that area of being a performer, and then you have others that, you know, like myself, I learned how to produce. You know, like I had a drum machine at an early age. I had an MPC. I had somebody training me on an MPC. I've been, you know, I was spinning records. So all of this stuff for me, it's different. So I get in the studio and it's not just like, let me get on the mic. It's that needs horns. That baseline need to ride a little bit harder than that. I switch this up. Let's do this. So sometimes like for instance, working with, working with OGs, um, OGs and I may have about four records, maybe five records together. Um, OGs will send something to me and it's pretty much at a hundred percent. I never have to do anything different, but if, if it's some, if I find a pocket, then I'll be like, Oh yeah, let me, let me do this. But I would never do anything that I know OGs wouldn't, you know, <laughs> approve of, you know what I'm saying? Um, because he's such a great producer. It's like, if I do something, I have to compliment the both of us and not just throw something in there, you know? So we just finished a record called Bomb Bomb um, featuring a friend of mine, T. Hattie. And uh, when he gave me the track, the track was the, it was so different. I never heard a beat like it ever in my life. I was like, what am I going to do with this, this track? How am I going to rap off of this track is what I was trying to figure out. And um, I sat with it for about two days, start working on it, came out, we went, went in and I'm like, we sat on it for like a month and a half. And I'm like, man, it's missing something. We added some old brass horns to it. 
took it to a whole nother level. Song was finished. I knew it was a reason why I was sitting on the song for it. Sometimes I sit on the song. I have a song. I have a song with Black that I literally sat on for about six years. And it's finally, it's, fine, it's finally ready. Like it's, it's either going to drop this year, maybe around Thanksgiving. Um, well, that's, that's the plan. I'm thinking Thanksgiving is when I'm going to drop. And it's kind of hard, hard for me to hold it back now that I have it. You know what I mean? I'm like, maybe I should drop it for Halloween. But no, I know, I know I need to let people know, hey, this is, this one is coming. You know what I mean? So Thanksgiving, I'm going to drop a record called Trouble Featuring Black. Well, why do you wait so long? So like, I've got so many questions, by the way, because I am oh, also good. a big fan of like, like OGs, um, because yeah, he, he's such a versatile producer because like Indeed. you, you see a lot of producers, they know how to produce one sound, but he really produces a lot of different sounds. So like, I just, yeah, it's, it's crazy to me. Some people just have that ability to just like, they get it. Like they just pick yeah, it up and, yeah. you know, you can see the work behind it. Like some people have a talent, but they also put the work in. And so you can see all of that. And I feel like OGs is one of those people. Yeah. He's a, some, some, some producers study music, you know what I mean? Like they're not just the only thing they know how to do is boom bap or trap. Some people stuck in that mode where they may make the best trap music they may make the best boom bap music but they can't go anywhere else somebody like ojiz he'll produce one of the hottest soul records you know what i mean he'll have a track like i found ojiz by following tracy lee i've been a big fan of tracy lee forever and one day tracy started dropping some new music and i was like who in the world is this producer you know what i'm saying like i was already feeling tracy because he's a dope lyricist but the combination of dope lyrics and a hot production like that i was like man i need to find out who this og is and then i found out og was from the same city i'm from you know well we're from because i-47 and black we're originally from baltimore maryland um i have a daughter as well she was in music for a little bit but she was like man Y'all trying to take my shine. I'm done with the music thing. I'm gonna go do something else. Like I want to act, <laughs> you know. But she was, she was, she was the first of the, you know, out of the three that I heard freestyle. You know what I mean? At a, at a young age, she just one day started going for it, and I'm like, man, like you nice. So I I thought that she was gonna be the artist, and then Black pops up, and then I 47 comes a couple years later, and I'm like, okay, all right. I got it. It just, it's just like, like I'm imagining being in your shoes and being like, it just shows that literally your kids, you have no idea what could happen. Like I'm sure my parents didn't suspect that I would ever become a podcaster. Like right. they know I love talking, but they never thought that this would be a possibility of like, I actually go out and speak to people and speak to people in hip hop. To be honest, they thought right. it was a phase. They thought that like, oh, he's young, he'll get over it. And uh, that phase has sadly for them never ended. <laughs> right. Wait, man. It's when it's a thing, it's a thing. You cannot escape it. I started rapping at 13. I thought I would. No, I actually knew I wasn't going to be done. I just never knew what it would. In my head, I was always like, this is going to be the biggest and best thing that I've ever done. And I, I found hip hop by default, I feel like. Um, being around my brothers, um, they DJ that skating ring. Uh, I found a, I was given a transistor radio 
living in, in Baltimore and I picked up a New York station and heard hip hop for the first time, blew my mind. I didn't know what I was listening to, but I know I was running around the house. Nobody was around me for me to be like, yo, what is this? You know what I mean? I'm excited. And from that, I feel like I just had a, a appetite that hunger just grew and I was just searching for it. And next thing you know, we had the box come out. That was the first time I started seeing the, the videos. And I believe that my biggest inspiration in the beginning had to be between uh, Run DMC, Ice-T, and Tila Rock. They were like the first artists that I heard. You know, maybe, maybe maybe melly mel in them you know what i mean because this is this is back back when but i know that everything that i heard made me feel some kind of way it made me feel like this is a part of me this is who i am this is where i'm going so it was pretty much like hearing them was like a road map you know what i mean because it just connected me to something else and to something else and to something else and i remember one day watching the kid and play the kid and play getting funky video and i sat in front of the television and a tear dropped out of my eye. And I was like, what is going on? But I looked at the television and I was like, that's what I want to do. And then from that point, I pursued it, wind up meeting. Um, I met the guy that was Kid and Play's bodyguard on the road. He was their security. Uh, he came over to the house one day, brought me this 10 by 13 picture and was like, hey, Shorty, I was thinking about you, man. I know you like rap here. And I'm, I'm like, yo, that's Kid and Play. You work with Kid and Play. He's like, yeah, man. You know, so I'm I'm, I'm just geek now because I got the, the poster on the wall. You know what I mean? I got the picture on the wall. Now I'm starting to collect more things. And fast forward about 15 years later, I meet Play because he was here on the radio. They were playing my my song was the, uh, the opening intro to the, the radio show. Um, that he was on and he asked well who's that guy right there they gave him a number he called me one day he was like listen man um you know what i mean like I, I'm, I'm trying to work with you you know what i mean <laughs> and i'm like yo this is play this is christopher play martin you know house party was popping everything was going on and uh you know he was like man i, I want to rock with you i want to help you out and he did that he, he became a manager for some years uh uh the first record deal that I've ever signed. Um, so being under the tutelage of somebody like Play, I'm like, man, you're a hip hop icon. You know what I mean? So I'm getting schooled from Play, from Kid and Play. And then later I meet Onyx, you know what I'm saying? So I was always around the icons, always around getting schooled by people like, you know, Sticky and Dro and, play and chip food you know what i mean like the the people that i grew up listening to and admiring became my friends and my mentors you know so that that changed my life man it put me in the game like for real we'll definitely talk about uh onyx for sure but i wanted how old were you when you were watching that video and that you had a tear come out of your eye Woo, you remember man i had to be around 15 maybe 16 somewhere in that yeah somewhere around there i just remember that that was like a moment for me because i i didn't know that watching it hip-hop would be emotional for me you know what i mean 
but I know that there was something connecting at that moment. And it was like, my identity was just immediately like, this is you right here. This is where you're going. You know, it was just that moment where I was like, yo, I got an epiphany, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be this, you know, and I began, you know, you know, a lot of people, I didn't hear about people speaking affirmations or anything like that during those days. But that's when I began to say, that's what I'm going to do. That's who I'm going to be like. I'm going to make it. I'm going to be that. And I'm going to go here. You know, I didn't even hear about tours back then, but it was certain things that I was speaking and wind up experiencing all the things that I actually spoke. So do you think that that tear was like uh, kind of your mind, that realization that it was, was literally like, I know what I want to do. It was like, you know, a weight off your shoulders. Cause when you're at that age, you're like, you know, what am I going to do? Your parents are asking you, mm-hmm. what are you interested in? You're in school mm-hmm. and the school's going, Hey, you know, you're good at X, Y, Z, but do you want to do this? And like, do you feel like that's what that was? Or do you have like a different perspective of why such deep emotion? I feel like that tear, it just made me think about how a tear and a, and a light bulb is shaped the same. That tear was like that light bulb for me. It was that moment that I got it. I was like, this is it. I don't need to search any, you know, I didn't pick up like other gifts until later on. I think hip hop led me to other things like, um, well, from DJ to MC to then one day photographer to videographer to doing management to hosting. Like it just opened up a plethora of different gifts, you know, and in the beginning, people used to say to me, hey, man, what do you do? I'm like, well, I do this and I do this. And older people would be like, well, you got to stick to one thing. And I never, you know, I was always rebellious against that. And I never knew why, but I just learned that whatever gifts you have, you got to work them. You just have to work them because one day, like I can get a couple grand for doing a verse for somebody and then I can have a few days of just doing nothing. And then that day I'm like looking for something to do. Somebody calls and say, Hey man, there's a rapper in town. He needs a video shot. I'm like, Oh, cool. I'll go do that. And then I get another call the next day. Hey man, our host just fell out. Can you host this show for us? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So it's just so many different things that opened up just like how, or a lot of rappers from then what opened up for them was acting you know what i mean how you know frederick on sticky went, went into acting kid and play went into acting dmx went into acting common and ll and most deaf and you know what i mean so and, many man, different it's literally it's almost like right. a joke now with it's like you become a rapper not to be a rapper you become a rapper so you can become an actor that's like that's like the the joke that the eventual pathways you can be part of the movie career, but right. Yeah. But I think do you know what it is? I think it's because the hip hop in general is such a competitive and difficult genre to be in when I, when you compare right. it with other genres and you know egos are at the forefront and it is very especially you know when I'm looking at eras like the 90s it is my bars versus your bars it is you know diss tracks so that when you get into acting that competitive edge really helps you because you're competing against other people yeah. i think that's kind of why rappers tend to be quite good at acting and then also a lot of them have lived the life 
that they're portraying in film and right. TV. So there's right. you know that real element as well. Mm-hmm. I think the most impressive to me, um, I would have to give it to. Uh, I, I love everybody in their acting skills, but most people are being their self. The one that I've seen that has embodied the art of theater and acting is most likely uh, Will Smith. Yeah, I would agree. Crazy to think about where he came from in terms of like yeah. his beginning. And they still had the, they still had one of the hottest shows. Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince, to this day, I have not seen anybody. You know what I mean? I mean, Onyx puts on a great show, but I'm saying a solo artist with that DJ, nah, I, I have not seen anybody get down like how they used to get down. They used to put on the show. I used to watch some of that old footage, man. They they were on a whole nother level. I know that if I was to tour with a DJ, I would definitely do it that way. Well, you know, the funny thing about Will Smith is that people, like especially, you know, people in their 20s now, I'm 27, so I'm not that old, but like they won't know that Will Smith was a rapper first. Right. Like they know only Will Smith as an actor, you know, married to Jada, he's got his mm-hmm. kids and like, they mm-hmm. only know the back end, but they don't know the front end. And th- to me, that's amazing that like right. you know, people forget where he started mm-hmm. and they just see him as like A-list celebrity. Right. Right. Yeah. He, I think he likes that because every now and then when he feels feeling some kind of way, he'll grab that microphone and show people he's still got it. Yeah. I mean, that's what I would do, but. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like that's what we'd all do is just like, hey, just a reminder. Right. Back. Right. <laughs> right. Right. That's, that's me. That's me uh, every day, man. Because I, I feel like I feel like I meet so many people that they know my sons and they know a lot of people in Atlanta that are meeting me now. They meet me through the videography and the photography. So when they come to an event, and they see me with that mic in my hand. They're like, yo, I, ne- I, I never knew. Because I move a different way. I don't move like most people. I can go somewhere and a lot of people may not know who I am until a song drops. You know what I'm saying? And they're like, that's that guy? You know what I'm saying? So it's just, it's fun to me because I, I, I like the way that I feel like I've been sort of hidden, you know, like, I remember going to different cities sometimes and I could be in Houston or in the Carolinas and I'll go to a restaurant and somebody over at the table looking and they're like, hey, are you? I'm like, yeah, but I don't get a whole lot of that because like I'm not on a lot of television like I used to be, you know, right now. And it's just I took a I I took a hiatus for a minute because that photography thing had me so caught up and then most mostly what i was doing was collapse i like i i'm yet to drop an album the album is still in the cut right now i've been on everybody else's album i've been on over well over 50 to 80 albums that are not my own <laughs> so why are you waiting we're, we're all waiting for the the you know your album start to finish what's holding you back um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this climate that we're in right now, like where people are and 
what we all going through collectively, you know, in the world. And I'm, I'm feeling for that moment to say, okay, this is the moment to release. Um, like, I feel like it's a possibility that I could drop the album this year, but I may just drop a few singles. It's, it's a thing like, you know, some of my close friends always would say, man, you know, everything shouldn't always have to be a feeling. But for me, that's how I've made my way through life. You know, I have to feel it. If I don't feel it, I feel like I'm forcing it, you know, and I'm just not that person that's going, you know, just shove it out there. It's like, I know when to make a move. You know, I've, 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 done, I've done this for so long. It's like, oh, I know when to release a single. Uh, I know when to accept a specific show and when not to, you know, it's just, I've been feeling my way through life. And every time I've decided to make a decision to do a thing, whether if the turnout looked like it was good or bad, I know that it was on time. Do you know what it sounds like? It sounds like, and for me, this is the the best analogy because I can't wrap it all. But like, you know, when you're in the kitchen and, you know, you've got a recipe, but you kind of just wing it a little bit and you use like your intuition of like I've cooked enough times to know what it needs yeah. like extra salt pepper oh, okay let's take let's cook this a little bit longer I'll throw in a splash of red wine or whatever it is it sounds mm -hmm. like that's you're like really trusting your own skill set and your own process rather than all right let's have a plan for the next 12 months and I stick to the plan exactly mm -hmm. superb analogy right there that's it exactly yeah. There you go. You that's piece that you together like a rapper. That's how you did that. So I should have said, I should have just said bars. Well, that is the best compliment I think I've ever got uh, on the <laughs> podcast is you'll have to put the rhyme together. I can make the random idea. I think that's all I got. I got like the random ideas, but I hey. tried to write a intro kind of rap to the podcast. And I remember sitting mm. down and it was a shit show. It was oh, horrendous. It was so bad. Like, I was just like, this is much harder than it looks. And I already knew it was difficult, but I was just like, stick stick to what you know. And that's just talking to people. <laughs> so, where, so where are you at with that now? Did you got I an intro up. yet? I gave up. Oh, I've got my right, own well, intro. Hey, man. <laughs> well, I tell you what to do, you know, you uh, you just send me an email, you know, and give me like a, a, a week or two to find some tracks and you got yourself an intro. Because I've got an intro, I've got an intro track, and then I just like talk in, talk it in over gotcha. The, gotcha. the beat. That's what okay. I do now. But okay. it's not like like I was like, oh, it would be cool if I could come come up with a rhyme or like you know gotcha. something that had something to it. But uh, yeah, I couldn't do that, and I was just like, we're gonna cook one up for you for the new for the new year. So yeah. when you come in twenty, you know, twenty twenty two, you're gonna have you a whole new intro. I got you. Coming soon, and I'll have to give you credit featuring Sick Flow, uh, and then uh, you'll be you'll be a special guest of the podcast from that point on. You want to come on, you know, straight to the front of the queue. That's that's uh, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for it. something I did want to ask you about was Onyx. Obviously, Onyx, iconic hip hop group. Obviously, you know they've released track after track, album after album, but. How did you develop that relationship and how have you seen their journey? Because, I mean, you know, they've been in the game for 20 plus years, but how have right. you kind of, how did you meet them and, and where did it go from there? 
I met them, I uh, cannot remember the year, uh, because these years are going past so fast now. Um, let me try to, maybe it was somewhere around 2014, 15, maybe, something like that. Um, I remember doing this BT Sprite competition. And um, I think there was like, there was a top five that they picked. And I was literally in the top 10 of the pick. However, my entry was the one that had the most views. Um, but there was a line that I said, and I, I just put it together and I said, Sun C, I'm a star with sticky fingers, I'm honest. Um, and for me, I was breaking it down like, son, look at me, son, see, I'm a star with sticky fingers, you know, and I just threw the I'm onyx in it. And it got around to so many people. Somebody sent it to Fredro. Fredro um, sent me a message on Twitter and he said, bro, like, who are you working with? And I'm like, hey, I'm working with y'all. If y'all got, <laughs> if y'all got, if y'all got something open, I'm, I'm rocking with y'all. He was like, so be it. Let's, let's get it going. And I believe that um, they put me on this EP that they had called Against All Authorities. Um, that was the first EP that I was on of theirs. And then they dropped um, another album with the Snow Goons that following year. And I was on that. And then they did another album. I was on that. And the Snow Goons did another album. I was on that. Because they're like a big family, you know. So everything that onyx was doing the snow goons was doing it's like you know i get that call like we got another one we got another one they send me a track they send me a track and then they put a onyx put out a, a um a album called onyx presents 100 mad and 100 mad is like all of the onyx family like it's a whole bunch of us but all of the the ones that are like hey these are the ones that we're pushing out first um it was a Man, that, that that album, I think, went under the radar. One of the best albums I've ever been a part of, man. Like, I, we got a record with Lil Fame from M.O.P., Smooth the Hustler, Fredro, and myself. Uh, man, that song, it's so much on that record. It's a lot. When I say it's a lot, I got a record with the guy Fahim called Influence. That's one of my favorite albums. Then we did um, an album with uh, Dope D.O.D. Um, you familiar with them? No, I'm not. Man, Dope D.O.D. is they're from out of the Netherlands. Biggest rap group ever out of the Netherlands. Um, they had an album called Shotguns in Hell, and that's how I met them. And I was on a record with them called Can't Hear You. Um, to this day, I think that's probably one of my biggest streaming features. Um, cause I'm still considered underground to a lot of people, but that one, when you get, you know, when you get up there with, you know, close to the million, <laughs> you ain't really underground no more. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that was one of the biggest records that I was on and Dope D.O.D. has, they have an album, um, coming out, uh, another album coming out, I believe this month. So I'm on another record that is, man, incredible. Some of my best stuff is, has been 
these collaborations because when you send me a record and you got other dope rappers on it, I can't help but the, you know, I got to do my best. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want, I want a memorable verse. I want somebody listening to the record to say, well, who is that right there? That's how I always approach it. No matter who I'm on a record with. That's that competitive spirit that we were talking about. That's like the, you know, you can't be the weakest on the, on the right. track. You don't want to be the one who's like, everyone's killing it. And then your verse is like, mm, yeah. they should have put more work in. Like, yeah. I know people don't like that comparison, but every hip hop head is like, who had the best verse? Who has the best bars? Who has the best flow? Who matched the beat yeah. the best? It's just one of those things. And you mentioned Tracy Lee, uh, but I also had Tracy on the show and he was talking about his track with Biggie. And he was like, when I heard Biggie's last verse, I had to rewrite my own because I was like, oh, no, he's going to body me. And, uh, right. <laughs> I, I mean, talk about that pressure of like. Hey, that's uh, pressure right there. <laughs> I-47 40, I made me do that once. He made me do that once. He, he, we were on a record together. I was like, there's no way I'm going to let that verse that I have stand. I got to write another one. Like, he, he, he destroyed it, you know, so. Yeah, man, that competitive thing is a great thing. You know, it it's it's like it's like iron sharpening iron. You know what I mean? Like you you come with something good, I gotta come with something good or better. I just just we make each other better, you know. Yeah, you gotta. And then it also depends on like your relationship with that person. Obviously, there's like good competition and then there's bad competition, like yeah, you know, it's, it's about like, you know, going about it the right way because you don't want to leave, you know, a session or you don't want to leave like a good track came out, but then you and that person are no longer friends or that you don't get along. So it's about like, you know, yeah. being able yeah. to understand. Yeah, I've, I've, seen that. That. I've seen that happen. And yeah, I, I believe uh, T.I. And, 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 and Luda went through some of that in the past because I was watching watching one song that they did with Big Boy. It's an Atlanta song. And at the end, Luda comes in with his verse. He sound like he still had, <laughs> he had something to say about, about T.I. And I was like, oh, like they were on the track together and he still took a jab at him. But I, but T.I. started it. So, hey, you know, I, I feel like Luda was one of those, like I'm a finisher. I, hey. And if you want to say something, try me. <laughs> you know, they went back and forth for a little while. See, as a fan though, I don't mind that because I'm like, I get more content. I like right. my when I explain hip hop to people and I'm like explaining my love for it, part of it is like the interpersonal relationships of like, you know, an artist will have a go at another artist and you get a little bit of that, you know, dramatic kind of mm. like who's gonna win the beef. But like right. being an artist in that position, I never thought of until I spoke to a few people. And I'm like, you know, now that you mention it, it doesn't sound as fun as me on the outside, just peering in. Right. Right. It's all dependent on the, the people. You know, some people are really big with their egos and some people are pretty humble and unbothered. You know what I mean? Um, you have good sportsmen, you know what I mean? And then you got some that's just not, that's just not their thing. If, if they struggle with that ego and that pride, then that's just something that I feel like has to be worked with character wise. You know what I mean? Um, I've, I've been in that space where 
certain artists have said certain things and I've addressed it and uh, I've never gotten a uh, reply. You know what I mean? It's, and, and I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a respect thing or if it's a, a thing of somebody saying, I'm just not going to, you know what I mean? Sometimes some people pick their battles. You know what I mean? Um, I know the bully type rappers. They gonna come for another rapper real quick, especially if they know that they can destroy him. You know what I mean? But it's rare for some people to be like, oh, I'm gonna try this particular person. And you know what I mean? Like since we were on a, I, I mentioned T.I. I, I remember T.I. saying that he believed that him and Damani is, was, is the best father and son duo out. And he said, uh, and we taking all challenges. As soon as I heard it, I, I replied to that, you know, and I, I, first thing I did was I put the message out there. I was like, hey, man, you know, you sure you want this? <laughs> I ain't get no reply. But then I waited a couple of days and then it was like, I just dropped the record. You know, I dropped the record and I was like, well, now I know he's going to hear it. So he got to reply now. Um, but I don't know. Maybe he's on vacation right now. So how long ago <laughs> did you drop that record? Um, I think that, well, I dropped a snippet of it uh, a couple of weeks. It's been a few weeks now, maybe two weeks now. But he's, he, he heard it. It's, it was way too many people that was throwing that record around, you know, or that snippet around, you know. And then the post where I was like, I accept the challenge. So, you know, I feel like for me, it's a um, exciting thing because I, I, I believe T.I. is a dope rapper. I, I feel like sparring. You know what I'm saying? I know my boy. I know he could pick either one of my boys. I'll let him pick one of them. He, he, he don't. He wouldn't want to pick Black because Black could smash him by itself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Lyrically, you know, I love Ti, but when I listen to the two of them, he ain't got nothing on my boy, and I ain't saying it just because it's my boy. But um, he may want to be like, all right, I pick your younger one. I pick I forty seven, and it could be you and I against Damani and 47. I think that would be fair. It wouldn't be fair with Black and I, and there would be nothing that they could do. <laughs> well, maybe you've got the best, you know, father and two-son trio ever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, hey, listen, I just, I, I'm looking forward to one day, I believe one of my dreams is before I decide to retire, if I retire, if there's a such thing as retiring as a rapper, you know what I mean? Like I've, I've seen people like Master P do it because P got so much going on, you know what I mean? And it, and it was never like P was like the, the best lyricist. He rapped because he could rap. He, he saw a way out. He knew how to do it. He found the business model. He changed the whole face of hip hop with, you know, bringing the South in in another way. Like we already had Outkast and some other people that were doing it, but the way P did it, P changed the whole trajectory of hip hop in the South and, and, and record labels, you know what I mean? Like cash money wouldn't have been cash money if P didn't break that door down. You know, we wouldn't have the young money and all of the other ones that came after if 
he didn't set that model and he set that model and it was tough. I still haven't seen nobody to this day because I was working in a record store. To this day, I have not seen a label release music like Master P released music. It was every week we were getting a new Master P project. Just that work ethic. Man, incredible. But you were saying that you would, cause you, you, you started talking about Master P um, and just before I mentioned, like, you know, you said before you retire, you wanted to have a, th- a tour, yeah, a tour, a tour. I would love to tour with my boys, even if it's a short tour, like that to me would be the, you know, that'd be the finishing touch. You know what I mean? That would be the icing on the cake for me, you know, to, to travel with them and rock some, some cities and some countries. And, you know, even if it was a two month, I just want to do it. Like I've, I've yet to have been on stage with them as, you know, them being adults, you know what I mean? Like they were around me, but for us to all rock together, I've, you know, I've been backstage watching black, you know what I mean? Side stage watching black. Um, I've been ad living behind 47, you know what I'm saying? But all three of us together, it, that's a dream right there for me. Well, when you do do it, make sure you come down to Australia, most specifically Melbourne, you know, fuck Sydney mm. because I don't live there, but come down to Melbourne because I'd love to see that. Got you. Got you. Australia is, <laughs> is it. Like, Are you familiar with Optimistic MC? No, I'm not. From Perth? He's from Perth. Uh, I got to link you to um, Optimistic has had, since I've met him, Optimistic has dropped about three albums since I met him. And I'm on all three of the albums. Um, uh, man, I, yeah, I got to get you that information. He's in Perth, Australia. Let me, the, what I'm doing right now for the audio version is I'm being very professional and on my phone and I'm going to look up Optimistic MC. He has the classic. I'm talking about the this man has never put an album out without having legends on his album. I met, I learned of him from him having, you know what? As close as I am with Chip, Chip Fu right now, I got re I got connected to Chip from hearing Chip on Optimistic's um album. And it's it's so crazy because he's in Australia. Chip Fu is in New York. I was always a fan, but I never thought, let me try to connect with Chip. <laughs> you know what I mean? But hearing that record, I, I remember speaking to one of the DJs that I that I know that I actually used to tour with. And I said, man, you know, I said, um, Chip Fu is probably the only, only person that I know that could get in front of Buster outside of Twister and just go for it, you know? And uh, he was like, he called him by his 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 full name, you know. And I was like, who? He was like, oh yeah, his real name is Roderick. I was like, oh, you know him? <laughs> he's like, he's like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll link you up. He linked us up the next day, man, you know. So, I man, I've been around the legends, man, and I always used to say, well, man, how did I get? to be around these legends like this. And I remember a friend of mine saying, man, it's because you're a legend yourself. Um, it was like legends attract legends. And I was like, man, I appreciate that. 
<laughs> you, know, you just you just inspired me. I I I look different. I walk different now. And I I talk different. Yeah. You know what I mean. So you take that compliment, and it just changes the way you move. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Well, do you know the thing that I struggle with about Australian hip hop? It's nothing except the accent. I've mm. been. I'm so used to listening to American hip hop, and like I grew up listening to American hip hop, and when I was a kid. Like we didn't really have Aussie hip hop artists and it wasn't big. So when I hear Australians rapping, I'm like the, it almost sounds too much like me. And I'm like, but because okay. I'm, I'm not used to listening to it. It's so different. Whereas like, you know, I get, I like UK rap or grime. I actually I like love the it. accent. I see like the accents to me sound similar. I'm a huge grime fan. Like, like I don't know everyone, but I watched certain people like Storm Z come up. There was a guy named Getz that I thought was going to be in the place where Storm Z is right now. Um, it was a lot of them that I used to just watch from back in the day. And I kind of got so, like, I was so inspired by listening to them rap because of their accents and because of their tracks that I stopped listening to a lot of music in the States because I was like, well, this is more impressive to me. Like their flows are tighter there. You know, even though I didn't understand every word because it really sounds, a lot of UK artists sound like they have a mix of Caribbean, like, you know what I mean? It's like a, it's kind of like a Jamaican type of sound, like the voice you know, the cadence. And it's, it's, it sounds like it's two styles meshed together. So to me, it's like, man, this is cool. as I, So I've been, man, I, I love the grime scene, man. I love it. I, I love it. I've actually watched. Yeah, I was going to say, the one thing that people got to get used to is obviously grime beats because they're not the same as, you know, hip hop beats here. They right. very much like they come from like EDM. They come from, you know, high intensity. Mm -hmm. So you got to get used to the sound and then obviously the flows match the beat. So it's like true grime is like, you know, EDM kind of inspired beats. But once you get used to it and once you get used to the cadence, it's mm -hmm. really easy to listen to. Well, I'm going to tell you what it is in the States. They just try to call it something different, but they got it from the grime is drill the whole drill sound that people claim it came from new york or chicago or somewhere it's all it is is grind all that it's the same tempo the uh bass lines are tricked the same way um so when i heard somebody saying oh we started this drill movement like nah that's been grime and that was 12 to 15 years way before y'all even <laughs> started this so it's to me it's like man a lot of people just don't know their history and they won't study you know i can i know where certain styles and sounds were inspired you know what i mean like oh they got that from that like i can watch a video i remember watching um the baby when he came out with that um that bop video Bop on something about Bop, uh, Bop on Broadway. Storm Z had Fosse Bop first, probably a year before he dropped, 
you know, before the baby drop by. And if you look at the videos, you can see that somebody on the baby team was like, oh, let's check this out. We can do that better than that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And all res I respect all of them. I just know that it was inspired by that Vossie bot was out first. And it's way too many, sim you know what I'm saying? It's too similar yeah. for him to not be inspired by that. It's just that nobody talks about it because a lot of U.S. artists aren't familiar with what Stormzy is doing. Well, I think Stormzy right now is probably the biggest grime artist. I mean, I know yeah, uh, we reviewed his album, um, Gang Signs and Prayer, on this podcast, um, which to me, you know, he's a fantastic artist, but too much prayer. I just want to see the, mm -hmm. hear the gang signs. He had like a lot of singing, and sometimes I wonder if like rappers try too much and they should stick to you know what they're really good at so that was my critique on the album personally but as an artist he's a fantastic artist and something i wanted to ask you because you touched on it was like you know it's a global reach hip-hop right now mm -hmm. especially we see you know countries you touched on the netherlands they don't even really speak english but they mm. love hip-hop so what do you think it is about hip-hop that really has this global reach and it's really exploding Man, hip-hop is such a, um, I mean, it's not even, I, I think it is, it's transcended, like, culture now. It's just like a way of life, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it just became a part of life that it's such a, I feel like it's, a, I think it's, I feel like it's more of a spirit than anything else, because spirit travels, you know what I mean? Um it's it's not as simple as a, a thing of um oh this is just music because if this thing can go to all of these different places and change the way people think the way they walk the way they talk the way they dress you know what i mean it is literally like even for me it's like it was a savior for me you know what i mean because if it wasn't for it i'm sure i would have got in a whole lot of trouble i'm I'm sure I wouldn't even be here right now. You know what I mean? It was the thing that kept me out of trouble. You know, it was the thing that kept me out of the streets, out of like I lived in a, a household full of hustlers. Everybody in my house was a hustler. All of them. I'm talking with the, my mom and dad having great jobs. They still was hustlers. You know what I mean? So growing up in Baltimore, drugs were heavy. Drugs were everywhere. So I'm surrounded by this. I'm I'm seeing, you know, coke getting cut up. I'm seeing people in and out. Like I literally lived in the trap house before people were calling it the trap. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just didn't know what it was, but I just kept to myself. And I was like, my one of my big brothers, um, his name is Dante. Dante basically was like, man, this is not what you have to do. You're going to do this. Let us do what we do. But let me give you this to work with. You know what I mean? So the turntables was in front of me, my notepads, I'm writing. I got a, I got hooked on it. So I never was that guy that was like, I need to run out here and, um, you know, sell something so I can make some money. I just kept on. If I was broke, I was broke, but I had that dream and that dream just kept driving me over and over. It was like, I'm going to get to the money one day. I'm not going to do this to get cut off from getting the money you know and i remember making the transition from baltimore to atlanta it was so much going on um it was like i felt like 
I was being shown, leave now, because if you don't, you're not going to be alive. Like I literally, one of my last moments there, I remember somebody shooting at somebody in front of me. Like I'm five feet away from the guy that's getting shot at. And then the guy that's shooting, Adam turns around and looks at me. And at that moment, I was like, hmm. I guess I'm a witness, so I'm about to get shot. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it just didn't happen. You know, he looked at me like as if I wasn't there and he walked away. And then the last, I think one of the times before that, there was um, a good friend of mine asked me to go and walk with him. He was like, you know, man, take a walk with me. Um, I'm going up the street and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, nah, I ain't coming out today, man. You know, I normally hang out with you, but not today. He gets, he gets killed. You know what I mean? So it's like so many people were losing their lives. I was like, I need to go and do something with mine. And I was back and forth from Baltimore to Atlanta doing these rap battles down here. Cause I started off that way. It's funny cause black started off the same way. He was battling before he became an artist. Um, I was battling before I start really, you know, making records you know i was i was making records but i wasn't known you know what i mean like the battle scene was the thing that kept bringing me back and forth i would get into a competition i would make it to another level go back then i had to come back because like oh you got it you know you didn't got the finals then i'm back again you know and then i just was like man this is the place i gotta be here you know like it's it's so much more um i mean it's it's a whole lot more peaceful than what it is in Baltimore. You know, I go back to visit family, but I knew that, listen, if I ain't have hip hop, wouldn't be here, man. We wouldn't be talking right now, brother. <laughs> well, let me just say, I'm very thankful that we are here talking about it. Um, and yeah, it sounds like sliding doors moment. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I think you, people can tell you all, all these things, like you got to get out, but until you experience like that moment of like, realization of this is real that you mm -hmm. won't make that move so right i mean you know when you talk about it, i can't even imagine going through something like that of like you know and and you talk about obviously it's been some time since that event occurred but i imagine you know how you know traumatic that would be is like you know you see someone die and then you think that you're next and then mm -hmm. you, your friend died like how did you overcome those things like i know you move but how long did it take you to like, you know, get your head together and be like, you know what, this is too real. Um, it was almost immediate. When I say almost immediate, I remember getting on a Greyhound the day after, <laughs> like a legit grabbing stuff, putting stuff in the bag. I'm out. You know what I mean? Like I really, didn't have like so my mom and dad split and my brothers were doing their own thing and i was in a space where i was like man i can't i don't want to live with anybody no more i don't want to be around and i and when i've already had two kids so it was like it's time for me to just be you know a man get away from all of this because there's no way out of here you know like i helped a few um groups back at home but they were doing they they were actually singing groups so it really wasn't like they weren't opening the door for me 
So I was like, let me go to Atlanta. I got to Atlanta, got hooked up with some of the radio stations and I started getting the airplay. Um, I, I started working at a record store because that was pretty much my thing. Like back in Baltimore, my, I managed record stores over and over and over. So I stayed around the music all the time. It's like, if I'm a work, I'm a work around some music, you know? So working at the record store really wasn't even working because I'm listening to music all day. I'm learning customer service, which the customer service taught me how to be a host. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Taught me how to read people. So when I get in front of a crowd, I can feel that energy. I know what people are thinking. I know what people are needing. I, I'm like, man, this song is going to work for them today. Or maybe I might just need to say this, that, or another. So I don't, I have never been like the typical just rapper. I've been like that guy that you give me a mic and you give me a stage. I'm going to not only deliver some music, but I'm going to offer some, some, some solutions that day. I'm going to drop some wisdom before I go. And it's, it's a whole experience. It's not just me doing a song and getting up out of there. It's like, if I'm in front of you, I'm going to make sure that you are impacted before I walk away from you, you know? Um, and this happened so many times, man. I literally felt like walking off the stage would turn into a whole counseling session for people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I get off the stage and somebody will walk up to me and ask me questions about their personal life. Hey, what do you think I need to do about this? And I never thought it to be strange because I'm like, I just walked out from backstage into the crowd to hang out with everybody and I'm getting asked questions that are questions if I answer them correctly it's going to change a person's life you know so I always just use that man it's like I'm I'm more than just a rapper I just love rap I feel like the rap is just the 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 tool to get me to the people <laughs> you know what I'm saying and now that I'm around the people I get to be more you know useful to them you know, than just an artist, you know, so my, my artistry runs a bit deeper than just having some, some bars and dope music. I love people, you know. Let me ask you this, because giving people advice is difficult, especially because, you know, unless you're qualified uh, as a psychiatrist, unless you want to do a session, you know, the advice that you give, like you said, you can change somebody's life, but how do you feel confident in in terms of your own ability to be like, I'm going to give you what you need to hear right now and it's going to work for you? Because I'm sure a lot of people don't feel that comfort. A lot of people mm -hmm. turn around and go, hey, I don't know. I can't, like, this is a question that is not for me. But you take that on. So how do you kind of get yourself in a place that you're comfortable and also mm -hmm. trust your ability that you're going to say the right thing? Well, I always share this with one of my friends, you know, before we get off the phone, if we're around each other, I always say, you know, right place, right time all the time. I always get asked questions that I have the knowledge and wisdom to, you know what I mean, to answer. I've never gotten asked anything that I didn't know what to say ever. It's like, wow, you asking me something that I have experience with, you know what I mean? So it's like I was brought here for you you know, or you, or you, you know what I mean? And for me, it's like, it's perfect because it just, it does something to me. Like when it happens, it's like, oh man, I knew I was here for more than just rocking this stage today. Like I just had a big birthday party, man. And when I tell you my plan was 
to be the person that sat in the chair like a king for a day and let people talk. It's the Godfather. Let people talk about me. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's that's the plan was I want to hear what y'all think about me. It's my birthday, right? Did not go down that way. I was literally giving flowers out to everybody that I could think of that I appreciate that was there. It was like, hey, you know what? You did this for me. If it wasn't for you doing this for that and this for that, I wouldn't. You know what I mean? It's like the whole night I'm just going through the crowd and meeting. I met new people and just speaking good stuff over the new people that I didn't know. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So it was if that was the best. This was last Saturday, um, the 28th. That was the best party I've ever thrown. And I've thrown parties in Atlanta for years. But that was the biggest and best party. And I didn't even invite everybody because they didn't allow me to invite a certain amount of people because of what we're dealing with with COVID. So I could invite a lot, but not so many because it's like, hey, it's a cutoff. We can't have that that many people. So I couldn't tell everybody. It was like, hey, if you don't see this flyer, um, I wanted to invite you, but I had to play it that way. I had to put the flyer out there and let them come as they came, you know, versus me hitting up everybody like, hey, man, I'm having a party. You got to come, got to come. I couldn't do that. And that party was packed, man. And when I tell you, I felt, I, I definitely felt like Godfather. When you say that you were sitting, so you were sitting, I imagine you start in the chair. Like, I you never sat. Sit. <laughs> I never sat. I moved around the whole night. Um, I sat down one time and that was at the end of the party. Um because I had a surprise guest that came. I had a lot of, lot of cool people came, but there was there was one person that came I didn't think was coming and they came. So it was like, wow, okay, this is special. I got my dad, my brothers, everybody, like they're from Baltimore. So they came from Baltimore to Atlanta. I had people that I haven't seen since, uh, I would say one of my friends or a couple of my friends, I haven't seen them in like 10, 12 years they came you know what I mean so it's all of these different people but my objective was tonight I'm going to get around and give everybody some time you know what I mean like normally when I do parties I walk up to somebody hey dab them up keep it moving say something hey man thanks for coming out that's usually it but like nah I was like nah I'm having fun tonight I'm going to address everybody. I got four hours to do it. I'm going to make it happen in these four hours. I'm going to be all over this club. <laughs> and it, do you know what it sounds like? You can't switch it off. That you are, you, like, you have this image of, like, you know, not being the star of the show in the sense that you're not going up and talking and you're not being extroverted and you're not, you know. Right. And people are I coming can't to cut you. it off. No, I can't. I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be myself if I cut it off. I would probably be so uncomfortable because I feel like this is what I was made for. You know, I I was made to be that encourager, you know, like, because people go through so much. It's like people are looking for somebody to give them some kind of encouragement so they can make it to the next day, to the next week, to the next month, through the next year. You say the right thing, you do the right thing. That's, that inspires somebody, you know, um, coming up in Baltimore, you got some, you had so many people dying so early. I just felt like, man, you know, 
if I can make a difference, that's my plan. That's my life plan to just make a difference. Have you had through hip hop? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you've done that. And I think you do that with more than just obviously hip hop, but also who you are as a person. But have you had people come back and like be like, hey, your advice changed my life? Or, you know, fans that hear you back up and go, hey, I actually did what you told me to, and the change has been huge. I have outside of just fans, I got some people that are legitimate platinum artists that have DM me, sent me texts saying, man, if it wasn't for you doing this, that or another, I wouldn't be here. Thank you. know, um, And that that's the kind of when that happens, that offers me that hope that if there's specific goals that I have not reached yet, usually that's the indicator for me that Oh, I'm on my way. I didn't. I put the right stuff into the into the atmosphere and into, into the into the earth. You know what I mean. So it's got to come back, double, triple. You know what I mean. It has to. You know. So I when I get that, it's just a reminder. You know. And I'm grateful because it's like I don't do things so I can get. I do things because it's like, hey, I just want you to be good. I want you to win. You know. Um, everybody doesn't have that, but. For me, it's like I'd rather you win than to see you fail. And, and I'm just sitting here like looking at you like, ha, 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 like that. I get nothing from that. But for you to hit me up and be like, man, you know what? I got one of the biggest podcasts coming out of Australia right now. And I'm number six. I'm number five. I'm number three. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's what I like. I, I can get off of this with you. And that's how I'm thinking. I'm like, man, I want him to go all the way. Because we're sitting here now, this dialogue, we're chopping it up. You know, this this created a whole brotherhood for me. That's how I look at it. So it's like, I'm going to get off of this at that point in time, and I'm going to be thinking, I want him to win. He's going to win. Well, I feel the same way. It's like, you know, now that, and especially because when you speak to someone, you, you're like invested in them. Like, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I'd like. You know, it's more than just I see you. It's like now that we've mm-hmm. had a conversation, it's like I actually want to follow you and I want you to do well. And like, you know, right. one of the first guests I ever had on the show, DJ Chubby Chubb, uh, 50 Cent's opener, he recently mm-hmm. won an award on Twitch. And that is awesome to me because like, you know, he was one of the, I think he was number four. He was the fourth person mm-hmm. I ever interviewed. And, wow. you know, for him to, to you know, have success, you know, after it's like it's amazing because you know for someone like him and it it builds the the pathway to success when you're coming on the show like without all all the artists that i speak to this podcast is just me talking about nothing so like freestyle you be freestyling i can freestyle but then it just turns into a ramble and it goes nowhere but like uh, my success is built on the success of the people that i speak to so like there's no benefit and i love that of like you know you want everyone that you speak to to succeed because you know the more successful people around you the better it is for you but also like it just creates good energy like it just definitely puts that out there you can feed off that and you know that you've got like you know a little piece of you know you've helped them in a little way and you've helped this person Mm -hmm. in a little way and it's like you can see your impact over a long journey that's right that's it well, man, That's what it's all about. I love that finish. And you said there's you've never been asked a question you couldn't handle. 
I'm going to ask you the, the hardest question that I ask every podcast guest. Uh, it is the hardest question, uh, and it's the only question that I plan, funnily enough. But uh, the question is, if you had to recommend one album, doesn't have to be hip-hop, doesn't have to, it can't be your own, uh, that everybody should listen to at least once to get an appreciation of, what would it be? A hip-hop album? One uh, hip-hop album? No, it doesn't have to be album. hip-hop. Any, any album, any genre. Hmm. Man, I'm going to be brutally honest here. And this has been for years. With all the artists that I know, all the artists I admire, all the artists that I'm just crazy about. The album that came to mind immediately when you said that was The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. And I believe album. that that was one of the best albums ever made. <laughs> and to this day, it still sounds fresh. You know, it doesn't sound old. Production doesn't sound old to me. So when I listen to albums, I listen for production. I'm huge on mixing. If you got, you have to have a great engineer. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I love, like, the, this new Black album that's coming. I believe the new Black album that's coming may take the place of my reigning Mr. Education of Lauryn Hill album because I sat. 47 and I sat in the studio with him and we listened to this new album that he's working on right now. I believe that that's going to become my all-time favorite album for the next 10 years. You know what I mean? Because this Lauryn Hill album has been in my psyche forever. You know what I mean? Like I, It was the first album that I could listen to all the way through. Outside of, now I can tell you of an old hip-hop album that was just genius. Um, Sticky Fingers album. Um, man, the name of that album. It was a Kurt, Diary of Kurt Jones. I think it's called that. I think that's what it's called. I should know. But I know that that was genius when I tell you. He, he put the album together like it was a movie. Like, it literally felt like. So you're 27. So you don't know, like, back in the day, we used to listen to um, stories on on the radio, like somebody would get on the radio and for like an hour and a half, what they did was read a book, you know, and they, they're reading the story. Um, and you would get so into it because the narrator was so good. This thing that Sticky put together way back, he was so ahead of his time. That album, man, that, that man, oh my gosh, it's genius. That's genius, genius. It's because it, it, you'll feel like you're there. You know what I mean? He had like skits, like somebody did something and then the guy gets locked up and then they in the court and then the courtroom. You know what? It's like a hip hop opera. That's what it was like. So as the uh, jurors and the judge and everybody speaking, you have some of the dopest rappers just back and forth having a conversation, you know, but they having a conversation about what happened. It's, it's really dope. I'm going so, yeah. to check it out. I love tracks like that. I love where there's yeah. a back and forth. There's that conversation rather than just, uh, that's to me, that is underrated in when you do yeah. a story rap, which I love, but then there's actual, like, you know, spoken word of like, he said this and then she right. said that, that, yeah, absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah. So yeah, Miss Education of Lauren Hill and that Sticky Fingers album are like masterpieces and 
you know, growing up, a lot of people aren't old enough to know, but that um, I used to go to sleep every night listening to the adventures of Slick Rick. <laughs> we'll put it on play and it would just loop. I'm surprised I never sounded like him. I used to listen to him so much. Well, I think a lot of people were influenced by Slick Rick and their ability to, you know, just put Our together. Stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, a children's story is still in my rotation and like, you know, it's mm-hmm. just one of those iconic tracks. And then I've got Biggie's Gimme the Loot, which is, you know, he mm-hmm. puts on both and it's back and forth. Like, yeah, just, it's just a different way of doing it, which is just awesome. And we actually also did a top five of Miseducation of Lauren Hill on this podcast as well, where we talk about, you know, that album, because me and my friends, none of us had actually sat down and listened to it. And so we mm. were like, let's listen to it. Let's do a top five. And I mean, I was surprised at how much I loved it. Like it's- I'm, I'm, I'm so tuned in right now because before you, right when you were saying that, I was about to say, I have a question for you. And my question to you was going to be, I want to know your top five lyricists. My top five lyricists of all time. My yep. first is Big Pun. Woo, nice. Big Pun is number one, without a doubt. Okay. Capital Punishment. And if I find a Big Pun verse that I've never heard before, it's like a gift. Right. It's like unwrapping a Christmas present. Like Got to me, you. big pun's number one. Um, okay. So number two is Biggie. Um, okay. I just can't get enough. Number three is Big L. Um, oh, wow. Nice. Uh, number four, I go to Eminem because when okay. he was growing up. Uh, and then number five, I have a really hard time with because okay. there are a lot of people that have come in and out. You know, Royce to 5'9 have been in there. Um, okay. And then I've got 50 Cent as well. But 50 Cent okay. to me is like number five because of what he's done for me gotcha. personally and like as an inspiration. Um, okay. So that number five is just in and out. I, I really don't I have gotcha. a number five. It's like a rotation of who I feel. At I respect time. that. I respect that. That's good. I like that. I like that. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't yeah. do my job if I didn't ask you who you, your top five was. Well, um, I truly have to say, and it does make some rappers mad, and I don't understand why, but I would say my top, my number one is M. I got to give it to M because lyrically, I don't care what people bring to the table. He's done things that no one else has done lyrically the way he has structured words. Some people don't put him in their top five because they talk about the songs that he's made. I never talk about the songs. I'm talking about what he does with words. Mind blowing to me. And if a rapper raps on a level of if I feel like I can touch that rapper, then you cannot be in that place of my top. You know what I'm saying? So Eminem is number one. Corey Guns is number two. Um, I would have to. I'm I'm torn between. I gotta say, okay, Chip Fool and Buster Rhymes. Buster's body of work is more extensive than Chips. 
but Chip's ability to just do more, like he can sing and he can rap. So he does a lot with, so so I, I would say Chip is my third. Yeah, I love Buster though. <laughs> it's kind of like I want to put them right next to each other. Um, like I would do with Black and I-47, I would put them as one in my, in my four slot, right? And then number five, it's it goes in and out. It was it was Pharaoh March for the longest time, but then I didn't see Pharaoh for a long time. So I would give it to Tech Nine. Well, Tech Nine just dropped an album, actually. I ain't even and I didn't even know that. So yep. So and the things that Tech has done is impressive, especially on the independent, you know. But yeah, my, my boys, they would get a as as one, you know, because they are both incredible and uh i don't think people have seen the rap side of black yet well i'm i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to seeing what he can deliver and uh yeah there you go sick flows top five to be honest i never asked that question because it's a contentious question but you opened the door for me so uh there you go you've put it you've put it officially out there but um no man i think you know I appreciate you giving me the time. We've had an amazing conversation in terms of literally everything under the sun. And, you know, the, the thing that comes through the most from my perspective is not only the music, but your energy as a person. And, you know, I can see that you really do want the best for people and that is what you aspire to do. So, you know, I really appreciate you coming through. I really appreciate you, you know, speaking to me on, on all the subjects that we did. Um, and for anyone who hasn't checked out his music, please check him out on Spotify. Go to uh, what he appears on because that's where you'll see most of the tracks that he's done with, as we said at the start of the show, the Snow Goons, uh, as well as, you know, obviously Onyx as well there. But, yeah, man, can't speak more highly enough of you. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to, to shout out in terms of what you're working on and things that are coming up? All right. So first, thank you for the invite, man. Had a great time. Uh, a product of 1252 is actually a couple of different parts. That's going to be the EP and an album and a book. Um, there's some people talking to me about a documentary, but uh, um, 1252 is the address that I grew up at. That's where I learned about hip hop. So it's a lot of the experience from coming up and it's not all stories, but just kind of like this music and this body is, it's me. It's where I am from, from start to where I am right now. So a product of 1252 is coming soon. The EP is coming this year. Just dropped a single called Bomb Bomb, which OJ's produced it. One of my favorite records I've ever done. Um, got that dope DOD album that's coming out. I'm on a song called Cold Summer, which is one of the hardest freaking records ever um fredro's on there destroying it his verse is crazy dope dod is two other rappers that i'm not familiar with that's a, you know affiliated with dope dod those brothers are so different so cool putting amsterdam on the map um and what else i got going on man i'm just about to light up atlanta with some more parties first but i got a lot of music coming out i've done a lot of uh shoot uh some of the videos about to drop to some of the stuff that i do for different artists so but the music the product of 1252 the ep is coming bomb bomb is out right now featuring t hattie it's crazy oj has produced it 
with the help of T, Hattie, and myself. Ah, oh, man, it's a lot coming, man. I'm, I'm about to I'm about to step my game up. I've been doing this for a minute, but right now I feel a, a bit more eager to put more content out. Well, I can tell you we're eager to see you release it. And you also mentioned the track with uh, you and Black uh, as well. That you've been sitting on for just a little while that that should Thanksgiving. hopefully <laughs> That's coming Thanksgiving. It's called Trouble. So that that definitely everyone's looking forward to that. But as I said, man, you know, I really appreciate your time and, yeah, it's it's a pleasure for me to speak to to artists such as yourself that are that are so giving and also have you know an amazing career as well. So uh, yeah, can't say uh, appreciate it enough. Man, appreciate you. Don't forget, look um look into Optimistic MC. He's out of Perth, Australia. I definitely He's will. Got, he got some great history with the legends, man. His I I never could figure out how he would pull so many legendary artists together like. He made it happen, like so different. And I don't even know if Perth is a small, I don't even know any other Perth artists out of Perth at all. Like he's the only person that I know that's actually moving something from, you know, that part of Australia. Well, Perth is one of our major cities in Western Australia. It's not the biggest city, but uh, if you are in Perth and you are a hip hop artist, hit, hit up Sick Flow or, you know, uh, some, you can hit me up as well. Let me know uh any Aussie artist but uh yeah I'll definitely have to hit him up yeah cool all right man I'm here I'm here for you you need anything man just holler at me I'm I'm gonna keep you updated on everything and uh you know I'm speaking nothing but prosperity coming at you thanks for listening to the show please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip-hop hustle for upcoming podcast news Also, don't forget to check out my Patreon under Hip Hop Hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show. Bye for now.